Hey, everybody, this is Devin Townsend, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. I can't complain. I'm in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Long oh, time. no, sweet. Yeah. 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 I've, uh, have we met before? Yeah, we've been on. I've Thought done a couple so, yeah. of things. But yeah, we did some stuff on the boat. About 70,000 tons. Right. That's what and, I had wondered. Right. And then you did something with me way back at a heavy Montreal with um, the ink blot test. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, it's great. And I spent a bunch of time in Richmond, Virginia, like a bunch of time, right? Really? Between Guar and Lamb of God, both of those. Um, uh, yeah. Spent a bunch of time with Dave Brocky at his place there before he passed away. Yeah, and yeah. We did that Lamb of God there in the shittiest studio ever. Really? <laughs> yeah, man. And I learned a lot about it. Like, what was it? Oregon Hill and the yeah. home of the Confederacy and the whole works, right? Like, man, and I that, had a... That's all going up in smoke now. They've uh, all summer long, they've taken all those monuments down and destroying all that stuff. Man, I remember when Brocky had his page up, he used to just take photos of the monuments and just, just give them shit. Like, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. Actually, I know we're going to get to you in a second. I know you're on a timeline, but I think it was Balzac, one of the members of them recently had a took his video camera down there and was interviewing people. And because now the the monuments are totally spray painted over with all this. Sure. uh, All the stuff. So he's been doing like video stuff. They're in full uniform and it's been kind of (laughs) common. I'm sure, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Chris. And what was what's your name? Uh, Rena, Rena. So you're in Finland. Where yeah. are you, Chris? I'm in DC. Washington. All right, man. Here we but are. I'm from. I'm. I, I've only been here for about three years. I'm from your neck of the woods. Where are you I, from? Uh, Vancouver. Oh no shit. Yeah, yeah. You're on the Sunshine Coast, right? Yeah. Sometimes we're on the we're in Coquitlam a lot of the times, and it's uh, it, we're moving up back and forth a lot. Yeah, yeah. But your studio is on the Sunshine Coast. Are you are you up near Garth's place? Yeah, well, that's where we're recording the next one is Garth's. Oh, cool. Is he producing it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we've got, um, we've got, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Joe Baresi is doing the mix. Who, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be great, man. And I mean, I spend most of my time in Coquitlam, but Garth's up on the Sunshine Coast. So it's, it's, you know, it's a nice, nice jaunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I lived, I lived in Coquitlam for quite a few years. Yeah, it's good, man. I mean, it's it's like everywhere right now. It's the chaos of of the world has infiltrated every corner, right? And everybody's <laughs> just trying to figure out how to navigate it. Yeah, the beautiful part of Coquitlam for these two that don't know is that you can walk out your door and be on the side of a mountain in like two minutes. That's true. <laughs> Chris, you want to start? Um, yeah. So you, I've noticed throughout the pandemic, you've been doing a lot of live streams. How was that? To were you? How do I? I'm not sure how do I phrase this. How did you adjust to doing that? That must have been kind of weird at first, like the very first time you did a live stream. No, there's no audience feedback. There's no nothing, and you're known for being like a very uh, crowd oriented performer. How did how did you adjust to that situation? I mean, it's like you could you could extend that question to every aspect of life over the past year for all of us. I mean, I think that there's a certain amount of of there's no option that makes uh adjustment to things uh pretty straightforward 
<laughs> you know, it's yeah. like if there's no choice, you're like, well, I mean, I would I would just say that everything has got a learning curve. But um, once you've kind of taken that into consideration that there are differences and there is a bunch of change afoot, then it's it's just a matter of of, of just navigating those changes. It's 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 not like um, my performance style or my work is so rooted in a certain thing that it's immutable. It's just, I just woke up one day and here we were. And so I just started doing live stream. I think the hardest part about it was not the interaction with a static camera, but more so just trying to figure out how to make fucking OBS and Streamlabs work. Right. <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was actually going to be my next question. Yeah, like, man. How 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 are you dealing with the mix side of it? Are are you doing it yourself? Do you have an engineer working with you? No, how no, it's me. So wow. what I ended up doing is I I make a session that runs concurrently with my Streamlabs, and um, what it is is it's all in a row that gives me enough time in between songs to sort of have some banter. But I've got a click track going in my ear. And then prior to each song starting, like 10 seconds before, I, my voice literally says, shut up in my headphones. And that's where I know how to stop talking. And then what I've done is I've made a bunch of MIDI tracks in the session as well that control my axe effects. So from my patches or whatever, right? But then also at, at the same time, I had another stream of MIDI tracks that were sending um MIDI information over our network to the laptop that was doing Streamlabs that would then change the cameras, right? And it's just the process of learning. I like to think that by doing these things, you stave off early onset Alzheimer's. I say that often, but it's like for all the things that we have to learn, I just feel like something has to go every time a new skill set is incorporated. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I forget a song or or somebody's name or whatever, but I know how to do Streamlabs now, right? Yeah, that's amazing, you know, because your your live streams have been really successful so far, just by judging on social media at, at any rate. Like, I mean, I don't know. And they're they're really affordable. It, it, well, I, I think a lot of it, um, we did the first four or three for charity, and we yeah. raised almost 200,000 euros over those things wow. for hospitals, right? We did one for New York, one in uh, London, one in Vancouver. Oh, I guess it was the three, but it was, uh, and it was, it was successful. Yeah. And um, I think that gave us, gave us some sort of momentum, right? Because um, my reasons for wanting to do that in the beginning is because we had done a GoFundMe because we had lost a lot of money on those tours when they fell through. And people were very generous. And so I thought that was an opportunity for me to, to like sort of even out the score. I mean, I think you can't just accept donations and then not, not do the same in return. It seems like energetically you're going to end up causing yourself problems if everything is just accumulation. Right. right. But it was, it's been good, but it's been a lot of, <laughs> it's been a lot of learning, man. Like, <laughs> Every day, <laughs> every day. Well, you're you you kind of have a reputation. Now, I could be wrong, but your reputation is that you're very particular and you, everything has to be musically correct. Was that was yeah. that a was that a hard challenge to get over when you're doing the live stream? Because you're doing well, it all yourself. You have to cut yourself some slack in one area or another area. There's a there's a a certain degree of perfectionism that um, becomes a liability, and the way that I 
have tended to find a solution to that is give myself deadlines, like hard deadlines, like today with puzzle, right? Like there's that old adage that a mix is never finished. You just have to abandon it at some point. You and I think time or you run out of money or you run out of both. <laughs> well, I, it's, it's like left to my own devices without any um, deadlines or without any parameters. I would just, I would never finish it because the nature of music and the nature of a mix is it's never perfect. Maybe that's the reason why I keep making records is because my perfectionism is often thwarted by my timelines, right? <laughs> so you just do the best that you can. And at a certain point, you know, there's just, you have to just take a deep breath and be like, it's not perfect. Next, you know? Right. Yeah. I was actually, sorry, Bruce. I'll, okay. I'll one more. I was actually thinking about uh, your live stream situation because I remember when you did a live stream with Tune Track, where you wrote a song in like they gave you what two hours or something like that, yeah. <laughs> and and there was all kinds of live stream problems that were happening, and your mouse wasn't working, and there's all kinds of stuff that was going on. But totally. that's what made it entertaining. But now live stream is like that 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 kind of stuff wouldn't happen anymore. Oh, it does. Uh, <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, man, is it's like. Um, one thing that I think I really got going for me in my career over these past three decades or whatever it's been is the amount of times that I've failed, you know, like publicly, the amount of times that I've made a record that hasn't sounded like sonically that great, or, you know, we had a big opportunity at a show and my voice wasn't working or whatever. It's, it's those moments that I think my uh, ability to, to handle these things were sown in a sense. There's some people or in the, even in the past, like if things went south and you're just like, Oh, it's not perfect. I love it to be perfect. Therefore I can't continue. I mean, it's, it's not really like that. That doesn't really make sense in this world that we live in. So my fingers are always crossed that things don't go ass backwards, but if it does, I'm kind of like, I'm like, okay, well, we'll deal with that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? People can say, oh, that sucked. I mean, it won't be the first time, so onward, right? Yeah. Bruce? So I'm just going to dive into the Devolution series. Did you, I mean, with 30 years of material, like you just said, how are you picking what you're putting out there, and is it difficult to choose? I think it's a, it's a combination of two um, scenarios, one of which is like the order of magnitude thing that we had done. That was... Because when they were telling me what that was going to cost to do that tour, I was like, okay, so if if I'm going to do that, I'm going to choose my own songs because, you know, if I'm going to pay for this, I want I'm going to make it my own thing, right? right? And so I chose a bunch of songs that I liked, like Gatto and War and you know things like this. But when it came to some of the live streams, it's it's you have to play ball because as much as we want to play that artist card and be like, oh, you know. I'm an artiste and this is the way it goes. I can't do what I do without the audience. So for every opportunity that I have to choose my own set list, I like to sort of uh, counter that with like a by request one and say, okay, so I did that. I kind of got my yayas out with that. What do you guys want to hear? And then that's how the, um, the, the uh, quarantine one, the <laughs> when we're on outer space, that one, how that's, that's how that one came together. And also um, the Halloween show that we had done, it was um, by request, but sort of rare tracks, things that I'd never played. 
that was a pain in the dink that one because <laughs> by the end of it i was just like i was like wow there's a reason why these songs have not been played before i can't sing them right so <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah. oh that's awesome so so just going through that then i mean there's still stuff you need i mean you'd have to filter through right because yeah there's so much you do but you know what i think i think a, a big component to making this work is just accepting the fact that for example this puzzle thing that i mixed today i've been mixing for the past several months there's thousands of moving parts in each song right, right? and the way that that mix is going to come together it, it has a certain degree of uh dependence on technical skills but really beyond that it is, it's like luck because if you've got a thousand things that all are interrelated, it's going to depend on the frame of mind that you approach it. Like if you're frustrated or if you're tired, it's right. going to look like like chaos. So it's going to depend on where you're at psychologically and just whether or not you're in the right frame of mind for it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's the same thing with choosing a set. It's, but I think one of the one of the most important um skills that i feel i have in my in my trip at this point is just like you have to accept that you know sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and that's it that's it so i think if you can deal with that then you're you're in a good place right oh i agree but staying with that for a second being the perfectionist that you are letting some of those demos and some of that stuff go out was it difficult to let some of that go knowing that it wasn't Not the way you wanted it not as difficult as just trying to go to the grocery store lately. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, dude, everything's difficult for yeah. all of us all the time, man. You know what I mean? So yeah. in the scheme of things, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Of course it's difficult, yeah. but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> all right. Rena. It's like, everything's a gong show lately. <laughs> what you got, Rena? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything is terrible. Completely agree. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mostly. Exactly. But, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm like more interested in the emotional side of things rather than the tech side of things. And like, okay, so we're talking about like whether it's difficult oh. to let go of a demo that you maybe are not completely happy with. It sort of like sounds like that you've struggled with the idea of win or lose, like that you win some, lose some, that there's, you know, that, that's sort of like an epiphany that you've had to come to. Has that been like a catalyst to your art <laughs> in well, a way? I, I, it's a good question. And I also think a lot of it just comes down to, well, what's more important to you? You know, the fear of looking like an idiot or getting your stuff done, right? And And I think that, for me getting the work done in my experience the only way that i've actually ever successfully completed something is if i was able to accept that potential of failure as being a part of the process and so the win some lose something if i felt like that was where my my hang up was you know that you may lose or you may win um then i probably wouldn't be able to function in the ways that i have and so like we're saying to Bruce, it's like, yeah, everything is crazy. Everything is difficult. But there's something really inspiring about that, too. It's like, it's not like the alternative to this particular mindset is simple. 
It's like the alternative to this is just as difficult. So you just have to choose which difficulty you're going to be most comfortable with and just roll with it. But I think that's just a lot about being an adult too. You know, it's like, I think that um, when we're younger, when we're kids or when we're teens or whatever, we think, oh, well, that's clearly insurmountable, that problem there. But as you get older, you're like, it's insurmountable, but it has to be done. So, right. <laughs> you know, I and think, then that. I think this is referencing your kids again, isn't it? Like, <laughs> well, it's yeah. not just kids. It's not just kids. It's aging parents. It's it's interpersonal relationships with people who share different opinions. It's like, um, you know, having altercations with people that you have uh, ideological differences with. I mean, the mechanism is the same, I think. It's just. It's how you react to it. I honestly feel that. And, and I think that how you react to it is the same process, no matter what the problem is. So focusing on that, focusing on how you react to things, I think is, is much more in line with how you get to your objective rather than, you know, because I mean, everything's difficult. That's, and, and it's not, you know, for everybody. So it's what like, is it is it easier to accept the win some or lose some with music than it is with relationships? For oh instance? God, of course. Oh yeah, music is just a you know that's a privilege to do. It's right. like you know I when I was a kid I used to view music as my life like that was who I was, but as you get older you're like no that's the thing that I get to do when everything else is done. So. You know, if you win some and lose some with that, it's like playing Monopoly rather than you know, now you're in an irreparable position with your family or something, right? right? It's, <laughs> it's like it's a world of difference, right? Did you ever imagine 30 years later you'd still be doing this? I don't know if I thought about it. I guess I just sort of assumed that maybe my maybe my a benefit to my process has been that I'm pigheaded. And maybe that same pig-headedness like never occurred to me to think about what's going to be happening in 30 years. Probably similar to how I very rarely think about what it's going to be like 10 years from now. You know, it's just we'll just take it as it comes. And, and if it's meant to be, then it will. Right. All right. How did you how did you end up getting involved? I'm just going to change gears here a bit with the Jason Becker uh, fundraising oh. stuff. How did oh, you yeah, get involved that with too. that? Um, Herman, years ago, we had done the Ozfest together, Oddfest, and um, and uh, I like Herman. I always thought he was a, I always thought he was funny, and I thought he had a, a a good way about him. And and he had kids, you know, about six years or so. And as anybody who's had kids knows, it it changes your your DNA, I think, in a lot of ways. And so all of a sudden, we had more things in common. And he just sent me a, he just sent me a mail. He just said, uh, do you want to do this? And I was like, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. That's really that's, good. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot about that online. It's getting some some good traffic as well. It yeah. should. You I, know, it's like, it's it's a community. And, and when you have somebody like Jason Becker, who has had a, a big throw in the guitar community, who's been hit with a card like that, man. I mean, you know, specifically with healthcare and everything, it's like the, the expenses of that have got to be really difficult for him and his family, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Chris? Yeah, healthcare is much more expensive down here, that's for sure. There's I would no, imagine, right? There's oh no question God. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll speak to that for sure. Yeah. Chris, you got anything else? Bruce? 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. Rena? Yeah, I, I just talk about kids all night, but you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. Is that the, I, I, uh, have, I have a technical question if I'm allowed to ask it, Bruce. Yeah, of course, man. Cool. So you use the XFX a lot for your guitars, you were saying? Is mm. that, do you use amps when you record or do you just stick with the XFX? It depends. I mean, I guess it also depends on the nature of the music. For example, on Empath, I had gone down this avenue of wanting to get the best guitar sound I could, right? And so I rented this fancy studio and I got 10 heads and the best cabs and all sorts of these silly boutique overdrive pedals and, you know, had it all set up. And I went through and we got a bunch of really cool sounds, but then I realized that the density of that music was in opposition to the size that seems to be what people want to get out of amplifiers. You think, oh, I want this big guitar sound. But then when we got this big guitar sound, it was too big for the music. There wasn't any room for anything else. And so when I tried to filter it, I tried to do, you know, your high, high, high and low pass to try and get, by the end of it, all I was left with was this gnarly mid-range thing that was just sound like shit. So what I found for that that really worked was when I reamped it through the Axe Effects, I was a, just by nature of the digital stuff. It's like it's like a full frequency sound that's smaller in a sense, which is yeah. why a lot of times people are critical of it because it's like it's not as burly. But I found that with the orchestras and choirs and double kicks and kittens and cows and shit, it's like all of a sudden it's like, I needed to have like a smaller version of a bigger sound in order for it to sound cool to me. So I went through that whole process and spent a bunch of money trying to get this big guitar sound. I just went home and reamped it. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's like at the same time, when I go up to, to visit Garth, there's going to be, you know, he wants to do it with real guitars and the nature of that music may be different. Like who knows, man, I think it's, I think it's fair to, like everything in life, just just have an open mind to things because sometimes it's great for it and sometimes it isn't. It's like there's no uh, tried and true thing that says real amps are unequivocally better. It's like they're better for some things, but in my experience with Empath, digital was better for that, for me, right? Yeah, and Garth definitely has a plethora of amplifiers and cabinets to choose from. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Do you work you with... Yeah, Sorry. yeah, man. What's do that? You, Sorry, Don. Do you work at Silvercord? Is that's Joe's studio, right? Uh no, I interviewed Joe. Uh, when was it? It wasn't when you played with him at the Vogue. It was, uh man, I can't remember. It was 2015, I think. I interviewed mm. them. Okay, I interviewed Joe backstage when they were going on seventy thousand tons of metal, or when they right. were booked to play seventy thousand. Sure. So, uh, I interviewed them there. I actually wanted to bring this up because. This is something that I've always really admired about you. Um, you played with Gojira at the Vogue in Vancouver. It's your hometown show. And Gojira headlined, which I found kind of interesting at the time. Because, I mean, you're at home. I mean. Yeah, but they're a bigger band. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. But, like, you guys kicked some serious ass that night. Thanks. And the, pla the place was going crazy. And the whole night you kept saying, Thanks so much. You guys can't even believe what you're about to hear from the next band. Like you were so <laughs> gracious towards. Well, like, I mean, 
thank you. That's a very nice thing to have recognized. But at the same time, I mean, I meant it. It's not like, you know, I'm not trying to throw a line for any reason. If that's, you know, I think, no, if I don't think so at all, man. I'm just kind of like, you know, <laughs> within this scene as well, there's a couple of bands that, I mean, I just, I don't want to go on after, you know, Gojira's yeah. one, Meshuggah's the other. And I've had the misfortune of going on after both of them. <laughs> and, uh, we did uh, Brixton Academy, and uh, I headlined that, and Meshuggah was right before, and they're devastating, right? And I was just like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my thought was not like, yeah, man, I'll show them. I was just kind of like, no, nah, dude, like, they should go on last. Listen to these people, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's the same thing I feel with Gajira. Like, um, on a personal level, like, like Joe's a good friend, and, and uh, you know, I we're we're in contact you know fairly often and and as a human being we're friends but as a band i mean they're undeniable right they're, and not only are they undeniable but the music that they've written lends itself so much to that format that there's been times where i've watched gojira play and johan their sound guy is killer too and yeah there's been times i've watched them i've just been like oh you gotta be fucking kidding me man that's like ridiculous right yeah. and as a metal fan i'm like that's amazing that's amazing, right? And specifically because I'm sure you guys would agree the metal scene has gone through so many changes that there's some good bands, but there's not a lot of like devastating bands. Right. So if there is one, man, I just want to be like them. Right. Them. You know what I mean? Like well, that yeah. That show was crazy too, that one. Oh, dude. Folk. Yeah. It, it was like twenty minutes after and the, all the <laughs> lights are on and they're like people won't leave. Oh no. <laughs> they no, were all well, body that, surfing. Dude, I mean, I, I and what's what's crazy about Gazir as well is it's like when you see them, it's the same thing with Meshuggah. You see them in their prime when they've got it and the sound is dialed, which is often because uh, Judas is, is Meshuggah's sound guy and he's devastating too, right? But when they're primed and you see that go and you see the control they have over it, you're like, that's what I like about this type of music is it's got this kind of tribalistic um visceral cathartic thing yes. and you know there's a certain amount of my material that i think plays into that as well but it's a different it's a different format like the stuff that i write is so heavily kind of orchestrated you know there's horns and choirs and like i say chickens and shit so it's <laughs> like trying to get that across live sometimes it works really well but when you see a band it's like their specialty is like that tempo you know what I mean? And the drummer's an animal and the singer can maintain his voice and they've got a established kind of dynamic between them as, as a band that really makes a team. You're like, yeah, man. And, and, and I, uh, I, again, I really appreciate the compliment. It's, it's nice. And I, and I, I, I'm shit at taking compliments as well. Cause whenever people say, Oh, this show is good. I'm like, no, come on. I felt like you guys were devastating that night. So ah, it's awesome. Yeah. Ah, it's so great. That, Thank you. It was just, you know, <laughs> and it's like, I always found it strange because before cool. that you didn't really play in Vancouver very much, but you were, yeah. everyone always knew you were from Vancouver. Yeah. You know, like I remember going to the jam space at the rubber room and they'd be like, Oh, you have yeah. to check out. Devin Townsend, and I was oh, like, man. Who's so you're from, you're from Coquitlam too, man. I mean, it's like, I yeah. was born and raised in Surrey, and I, I kind of, I think the thing is as well, is for me, Vancouver is where I live, and in a sense, I like to function anonymously at home. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
like I got no desire to like waltz into a place, you know, with a pair of fancy boots on and, and be super conspicuous. Right. Like I'm, I'm happy, like go around the back, even when my friends bands come to Vancouver, they're like, you're going to come to the show. It's like, well, here's a better idea. Why don't we go for coffee <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then right. have a good show. Right. Like, like I, uh, and it's, and it's not because I'm so concerned about being seen or something. It's just that it's too loud. And I know that sounds like totally in opposition to someone who plays heavy music for a living. But when I go to see bands, I'm like, Oh, this sucks, man. It's dark. And it smells like beer and sweat and balls. And it's like, it's like 190 DB and it doesn't sound as good as the record. And there's some hammer dude, like spitting on the side of your face, trying to talk to you while they're playing a drum solo. And I'm like, Oh, I hate this. Like I hate this. Right. What makes way more sense for me is it's like, like I like drinking tea and watching videos like that makes way more sense. Right. I found these videos of people that are filming the inside of trains while they go from Oslo up to the Arctic circle. And they're like 10 hours long. <laughs> and that sounds like a night for me, much more so than going to see a buddy's band. You know, So, David, I got to interrupt you for a second, though, because after a year and a half or whatever we've been on, I'm not seeing a show. Everything you just described is everything I'm longing for at this point. Yeah, well, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone. And I, I, it's not that I like my connection to playing live is much more so about uh, performing for the people who support me. Right. Much more so than me dying to be back on stage. In fact, I did a I did an interview with a, a British magazine and they were just like, tell me how much you're dying to get back on stage. And I'm like, you know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, 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 when people say, what do you miss about touring? I, I miss performing for the people that support me and I miss eating, you know, <laughs> right. but I mean, I, I've never had a huge desire to get on stage. It's, it's, you know, it's like performing is a part of my job that is facilitates me making music. That's it. Right. And um, I find that in order to try and sustain my voice and to try and, uh, keep myself emotionally balanced enough in a completely surreal environment like that, where you're the focus of attention right. and, and you know, you're traveling and all this shit. It like, it requires a lot of like, I gotta, it takes work from the morning to the night and, you know, to exercise and to keep my, my, my brain together and to try and be present enough for the people who, who support my work without letting it like go to my head or, or like getting the criticism go to my head or whatever, dude, it's like constant effort. And so, you know, it's, and it's not saying that I'm like, Oh, it's been fantastic to not be on tour because this year has been so many, the anxiety of this year as it has been for everybody, regardless of what side of the fence you're on has been fucking crazy. Yes. You know, it's like the whole wake up at four 30 in the morning, staring at the roof in a panic. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine without having to deal with that anymore. Thank right. you. Right? <laughs> right. But, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's like anything, you know, you have to choose what side of the things you're going to focus yep. on. And for me, I'm home and I have the opportunity to, to work and make music. So that's what I'm doing. And then when I'm on the road, that's what I'm doing. Right. right. Like, you know, and there's it. good things about both, right? There's sure. good things about both, and there's also a bunch of shit with both, right? <laughs> We're just about <laughs> out of time. Rini, you have anything else? She's frozen. She's frozen. She's frozen <laughs> in a smile. <laughs> yeah, that's Devin, awesome. I, Devin, I want to thank you for being so gracious and letting us uh, reschedule, and I know you're super busy, and I appreciate it. Rini, Perfect. are you there? 
Yeah, she's, she's not. Frozen. She's frozen again. <laughs> Devin, thank you very much. Good luck. Thanks, Stay man. safe. Thanks for taking Cheers, the guys. time. Take it easy. Bye. You Thanks, too. man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey there, I'm Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.